Hello and welcome back to a special episode 79 of The Game Pit. It's our first of 2017 and we're going with something new, Ronan. We are. We've been teasing it for a little while, but over the next, let's say, 10 episodes, five of them are going to be taken up with a countdown of Sean's number 50 to number one games and at the same time, my number 50 to number one games. We could consider doing a joint one, but that would cause too many fights, Sean. It really would. It really would. We haven't done a, uh, a vault episode for a little while, Ronan, because that very reason, I think. Too much fighting. <laughs> the uh, the standoff in Carcassonne and Power Grid was just too tense. It, it really was. The bruises lasted for a while, so probably best not to go there. Have you signed so away doing- the movie rights yet? <laughs> That's <laughs> not quite. It's too epic. It's too epic. Something like that. Or boring. Not until they come up with 5D or something. I don't, don't talk to me. You get me upset about 4D. You don't yes. travel through time. All right? It's not 4D. It's a bit smelly. That's it. That's all. Anyway. Something, something rustles, rustles your brow. <laughs> In this episode, we're going to be counting down, as I guess is traditional, from 50 to 41. We're just going to talk very briefly about each game. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our opinions. Jump onto our guild on Board Game Geek and let us know and shout at us and agree with us even, maybe. Possibly. Possibly. And and one thing, Ronan, we haven't mentioned, we actually don't know ourselves. We haven't told each other what our games are going to be. So there might be a few surprises for each other and probably a few upset game pitters in, in the studio. I've got my editing finger over the beep, but <laughs> I just it's going to be about 20% of each episode. You beep, beep, an idiot, beep. So it's gone down 5%. <laughs> I'm in a good mood. I've had a good Christmas. <laughs> As always, we are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there for gaming goodness in all formats. If you want to download our episodes, we are, of course, on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Sean. I've got my grave concerns with regards to your list. I'm sure you have, Ronan. I'm sure you have. I've got a few concerns in regards to yours. I'm just worried that you're going to fill it up with frivolous, theme-filled nonsense that don't have the depth of gameplay. It is a theme-filled thing to behold. The depth of gameplay, the gravitas that such a list deserves. So in order to counteract you, I'm going to kick off with my number 50. Dobble. This is a 2009 release <laughs> from Dennis Blanchot, Guillaume Gilnaves, Igor Pulushin, and Asmodee. And it's a game where there's a set of cards. Each of the cards have got 10 symbols on them, and every card has got one symbol and only one in common with every other card. And you can play variations of Snap or Hot Potato or grabbing stuff from the middle, or there's about five or six different variants within the rule book. It's a quick, fun, family game. Lasts 10 minutes maximum. You can swatch it up, play it different ways, play it as competitively as you want to. You can self-handicap when you play with the kids. Maybe once you notice your match count to three in your head or something like that. It's fun. It's laughter. It brings people together of all ages. I think I told the story before on the podcast of my 65-year-old auntie playing it with my two girls when they were much younger. And them all actually evening out in ability. <laughs> and it being a very competitive, if slightly elongated game. It's just 
shows the simplest ideas sometimes are the best, including in gaming. And it's not called Spot It. It's called Double, and it's my number 50. Wow. I really didn't see that one coming, Ronan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what to say. I'm not a big fan of it. I find it too stressful. I don't, I don't like games where you have to be really quick and doing things. I find it stressful. Um, Not only do you like light games, you like the wrong light games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose I can see that it brings everybody in, and not a lot to learn, and everybody. So there are, it has got its pluses. I wouldn't. We were actually playing it a couple of days ago on Christmas Day. Myself and the in-laws were playing it. There'd been wine and Bailey's and gin and tonic floating around, and everyone was just wetting themselves laughing and creasing up, and it, it got kind of competitive as people were fading in and out of how drunk they were. But anyway, it works with adults too. It's it's a great game, Sean. A great right. game. As all of these are, apart from yours. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think we're going to lead uh, people down the wrong path with our first choices, Roland. Because, yeah, I'm going to go straight in with Race for the Galaxy, my number 50. Coming from Rio Grande Games, designed by Thomas Lehman. Of course, it is the economic sci-fi card game. I'm not really going to introduce any of my games because we've talked about them all before and they are all famous, well-known games. Well, mostly <laughs> a few obscure ones in there. The thing that drew, it to, drew me to it was the clever action selection where you're, where you're all playing simultaneously, but you're also you're all sort of sponging off other people's choices as well. So you, you're not only sort of playing your own game, you're also trying to read and possibly bluff the other players with your action selections. You can throw a complete Mickey into the works and completely throw people's turns off if they think you're going to do one thing you just do something completely different i couldn't think of the right word it's a good word it's a good way we'll introduce that into the vocabulary <laughs> i think the game has interesting choices throughout very little downtime it's a game that you can improve with practice, and that's always a good sign with a game, especially an economic game like this one. The reason it's not higher is that I think you have to improve together. I think a very good player will always completely dominate a, a, a new player or a not-so-good player. It's not completely without luck, which I do like, and it's got longevity in spades, Ronan. I know you're a big fan of this, and I'm expecting to see it in your list later on. You mean I've got beef? <laughs> not because he's not higher. Shocking pick. Shocking pick at number 50. You're a wronger. <laughs> Even if you choose a game I like, you do it wrong. <laughs> ah, it's in my top 50. It means it's a very good game. Something I've really it's, enjoyed. It's better than that. We'll be hearing about uh, this. See, no, right. I, yeah, but I think it's a bit solitary to be higher. I think you need yeah, to play no, at the same keep level. Keep your powder dry, mate. I don't want to blow you out of the water <laughs> later on when I point out exactly how great it is. It's all right. You, you save your shots there. Right. <laughs> on to your number 49. My number 49 is Brass. 2007 game from Martin Wallace and uh, Tree Frog Games. It's the 
That Euro medium heavy representation of the Industrial Revolution in and around Lancashire in the northwest of England, the development of a canal system followed by a railway system, developing mills, some foreign trade in there. There's a couple of different industries working together. You're trying to keep your head above water financially while building up an infrastructure to score you points. It's probably the deepest game that I played 10 years ago when I first got into it and in that way it's got a special place in my heart and with these top 50 how you split them up I think everyone says they try and do it a lot of it's just down to personal and this one has stuck around for me because it was sort of a game that really opened my eyes it's a game a bit like Race of the Galaxy that Sean was just saying that actually you can get better at it when you play it there can be a slight problem with the the skill gap but Better than probably in Race Against, you can see your own personal progress. And you can see that you're doing better each time and you're learning the intricacies. And when one door of strategy opens in your mind, you can suddenly, oh, okay, I can see this now because I've been going wrong. I've been building level one mills that have been getting killed or whatever it may be. So Brass has stuck around for me. I haven't played it as often as I'd like to, to be honest, because often the new shiny takes me away from it because it's an effort to get into uh, and to sit down and go, right, I'm really going to think through this two, two and a half hours of hard work but totally worth the effort and sean 49 brass it's a game i played i think probably that 10 years ago when you first played it and i can't really remember much about it but i remember enjoying it that's all i can really remember now is this a choice for you where you're you're kind of looking back at sort of yes the year is it a misty-eyed ronan looking back or do you think it it holds water today no i think it still holds water i've played it within the last year or so and still enjoyed it although I became much worse because it had been a couple of years in between plays it just probably hasn't got the gloss if you like of newer titles or I think if it would be designed today only Age of Industry came out after it whereby it's been streamlined and it's less of a headache to play but for me I like that crunchiness you know uh, spoiler, I prefer Grigola uh, to Caverna because I, I like that sort of grit in the works where it's a bit hard and there's sudden obscure things and the game can trip you up and you can fall down. So I still like that about Bryce. It plays like a game designed a few years ago, but in a good way to me, Sean. Very good. Okay, so my number 49, what I think we did definitely review very early in the game pit is the To Court the King. Again, my first two off both from Thomas Lehman and both from Rio Grande Games. It is a Yahtzee-style dice game where you try to influence the royal court and eventually the king himself. I love me a dice game, Ronan, as we know. I think you just slapping that little bit of theme on Yahtzee, it just seems to work for me. The Yahtzee was just too bland, but just <laughs> slap a bit of theme. That's how easy I am. That That's going to work for me. The mix of just excitement of the dice... Twisted in with a little bit of the maths that just hits the nail on the head for me. And it's a lovely pace to the game. Doesn't now stay its welcome. And very portable game. So I, that's my number 49, to court the king. I presume favour of the pharaohs coming up in your top 20. <laughs> top four. <laughs> <laughs> See, fate, that's what made me realise how much I enjoyed to court the king, is that I was so disappointed favour of the pharaoh. Yeah, uh, to call the Kings a good game. In fact, it's a very good game. I like it. I like playing it. I don't think it's got the quality or the longevity 
to me for a top 50 game. But no, yeah, cool, fair enough. I'm sure it won't be your worst pick. Yeah, it's just something I keep coming back to and I always enjoy, so... I'm pretty sure I'm on secure ground here with you in my number 48, Sean. It's Lords of Waterdeep. 2012 game, Peter Lee and Rodney Thompson. And from Wizards of the Coast, it is worker placement game set in the Dungeons & Dragons universe where you're attempting to gather groups of adventurers and send them off on quests to score you victory points. A good Euro style over eight rounds of moderate thinking. A light to medium, I'd say fantastic gateway game completely clear and smooth in how it works the players have some agency in terms of creating the board probably more important than a lot of people realize when they're first playing what action spaces are available in choosing their own quests and deciding which way they go down but it's not wide open enough to leave new players completely lost because the lord they get will give them idea of how to specialize and you know, if you've got lots of commerce well then you'll be wanting, wanting lots of money it's got light interaction with the intrigue cards a little bit of take that can be irritating when you get a mandatory quest but for me lords of Waterdeep is a complete package tied in a wonderful bow and i really enjoy it still after ooh, i'm probably north of 20 plays now so lords of Waterdeep number 48 for me yeah very safe ground there ronan i think it is the game if someone said explain worker placement to me you'd say there you go go and play that it just it's just got it all with a few little twists as you say with the stitching up and the going on quest and there's just a little bit of theme added into it set in a world that we already know and love yeah good choice like it thank you very much you're welcome okay i'm i'm going cult of the new ronan it's my only real cult of the new it's the one that made the biggest splash for me in this year's essen and we've talked about it very recently it's great western trail by alexander fistar Coming from Stronghold and Pegasus, it's all about delivering cattle to Kansas by placing tiles, deck building, recruiting workers, and lots more to boot. Why do I like this so much, and why has it hit so hard so quickly? I think it's just so much to think about, but it manages to do the amazing trick of not being overwhelming. It all works together really well, blends together, the theme actually makes sense for once, and you get so many different experiences every time I play this. So that's why I really like Great Western Trail, my number 48 run. So we kind of thought there's going to be arguments during this. And so far we're pretty much... Oh, the arguments are to come. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry. My next one, we're going to argue. <laughs> we're going to be... <laughs> we're just wading in the shallows before we plunge yeah, in. Yeah. Are we? Uh, Great Western Trail, I'm going to say at the moment, it's probably a top 100 game rather than a top 50 game for me, which still means it's a very good game. I haven't played it often enough, and I didn't get that falling off a cliff love with it. There's maybe one game from 2016 on my list. It might be two, sorry if there are. So I, I didn't completely fall, as other have for Great Western Trail, but I like it a lot, and I expect that with further plays, it's going to get played more, because everyone around me loves it. I am going to learn to appreciate it more and more, and it's going to creep up over time. I have that feeling. Yeah, I think it's terraforming Mars with thereabouts, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, but I think this one just topped them and pushed its way into my top 50. So that's my number 48, Great Western Trail. Uh, so moving on to my number 47, and this is also a game that we reviewed a couple of episodes ago when we were joined by Steve, and it 
is Nations. Nations is a 2013 release designed by Ina Rossen, Nina Hakansen, Robert Rosen, and Rasta Hakansen from Lotapellet.fi in Finland. It's a card game in which you're going through four ages, creating, running a civilization, building buildings, assigning your workers, managing a variety of resources, responding to negative things that happen during the game, possibly. Uh, kind of abstractedly but but definitely something you need to worry about starting wars with each other and affecting each other along those lines it is very much an abstraction of running a civilization it's very much more sort of a spreadsheet game but it's one in which the theme lays thick enough for me to ignore the spreadsheet and enjoy it within itself there's certainly enough player interaction for me in taking cards from each other, setting the wars by responding to events, what have you, having the highest uh, stability. You're all got to keep aware of what everyone else is doing. It goes quickly enough that it doesn't bog down. I think the expansion helped quite a lot. Now that you can play with nations that have got their own separate powers and their own separate startups and with advanced cards in there and what have you. So it's still one that's got legs for me, Sean. And when I first played it, I might not have thought that it would be in the top 50, but it is stuck in there. This one has had that longevity. So my 47 is Nations. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with the spreadsheet. It's a game that I really probably shouldn't like as much as I do, given sort of my gaming sort of references and all about theme. But this one, I think it does have the theme in it, but just in a slightly different way. An absolute conundrum of a game, but an enjoyable conundrum of the game. And as you Rona said, plenty of interactivity still in there. Very good choice, Rona, and I like it. Thank you very much. What's your 47, Sean? My 47 is where we're going to have beef. <laughs> Go on, then. My number 47 is Dead of Winter, a crossroads game. Jonathan Gilmore and Isaac Vega coming from Plaid Hat Games. It's the post-apocalyptic co-op with a possible hidden traitor game. Why do I like it? The theme and possibilities are all I need with this game. Now, I I have had bad games of this. I'm not sure I've had the perfect game of this. But when it does click, it is fabulous. Why is it fabulous? I think it's brilliant storytelling within the game. Genuinely tense moments throughout the traitor mechanic, when it works, it works brilliantly. I'm willing to forgive it. Even two out of three mediocre games just to get that one fabulous game. I really like it. It would have been a lot higher if it was a bit tighter. But Ronan may have been round the mill a few times about this game. So I'll let him crack into it now. I'm reading the book, Sean. I'm reading a book about how Portugal uh, sailed around the Cape of Good Hope and, and affected trade in, in the Indian Ocean and basically took over the spice trade to Europe. And very integral to their success was their well-built ships that were sturdy and would take different sea conditions to get them there. Do you know if I had to make that journey in the 16th century in a caravel, do you know who I wouldn't employ to build it for me? plaid hat <laughs> do you know why i wouldn't employ a plaid hat because everything they make is fragile everything i agree i agree and 
this is a china doll inside center of a game that i'm afraid when i play with it it might play well or it might just break and it's too much of a burden to bring out for a couple of hours with a group and go oh let's play this it might be great what might it be shocking <laughs> i'm not at the shocking game but what i will oh, you say have, is you have at my house with my workmates Oh, true. No, that, that was just a baffling game because they just didn't get it. It is very, very group dependent. Probably the most group dependent game I have ever seen or played. You have to know exactly what it's all about. You can't have new new people in, in there, as we found out. You can't have people who just aren't interested in theme or getting into the storyline. It has to be an absolute exact type of person and the game has to hit. But I forgive it the misses because when it hits it hits hard and it's true if i had a, a regular once a week thematic gaming group where time wasn't that precious and we play a couple of thematic games each week and if your one fell flat then i think dead of winter would have that chance to kind of eventually evolve into where we play so that we're playing to its strengths but it's such a specific set of circumstances that I cannot say that it's a well-designed game and that it deserves a place on the list, mate. No, okay. Well, you do. You you look after your list. Leave my list alone. I'm I'm worried about who's <laughs> looking after yours. That's all. That's all I'm worried about. Right, okay, number on. What's your number forty-six? <laughs> Forbidden Stars 2015, designed by Corey Knizia, James Kniffen, and Samuel Bailey. Sean, Sam Bailey. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) only only British people who watch the X Factor will get that one. (laughs) Wherever you are, (laughs) this one is the one that died this year. We're never, ever, ever going to see it again because it's between Games Workshop and Fantasy Flight, and they've gone their own ways. It is. (laughs) <laughs> the space themed, obviously, Warhammer 40,000, expansion into planets with a bit of resource management, a clever little combat system. You're taking sides of your other Marines or the Chaos Marines or the Orcs or the Eldar. You're flying spaceships around. There are warp storms that will block you. There's gates you can fly through. You've got your own individual objective areas you need to take. It is both thinky and thematic it's combative but you have to manage your resources it's one of those fantastic blends of thematic and heavy mechanisms that work together but you have to learn it the first game is quite long however after that first game it's going to take you probably 45 minutes per player which for this depth of game i think is quite reasonable the only reason forbidden stars is number 46 in this list and not higher is it suffers from lack of plays i've only played it a couple of times it could be the least played game on this whole list for me but whereas i said i didn't fall off the cliff with great western trail with forbidden stars i did fall off the cliff i loved it i was bought it i own it I don't know why I haven't played it more. I'd probably have to rectify that very soon. I'm very embarrassed, Ron. Despite pledges to, to actually get this one played many, many times over a long period of time, both on and off the game pit, I have still yet to play I own the game. I've yet to find the time to sit down and, and just give it the attention it deserves. I fully believe it's going to be fantastic when I do. I'm always excited when I think, oh, I need to play that. Never got round to it. I really do need you an embarrassment to the game pit. I am an embarrassment to the family name. <laughs> Your list is now invalid. What else can I say? 
<laughs> you, you thought that the minute I opened my mouth. So, that's <laughs> true. When the idea came up. Anyway, you're a shocker. You're going to love Forbidden Stars. I am. I'm absolutely I sure. I am. Right. Definitely. Go on. Right. My number 46, Ronan, is... I'm not sure how you feel about this one, because it's a long time since we played it together. It's Game of Thrones, the board game, second edition, from Christian T. Pedersen and Fantasy Flight Games. It's all about controlling the seven kingdoms of Westeros in an area control war game. Why do I like this one so much? It's all the fun of an epic war game in a snapshot. Now, we've talked about the the Virgin Queens, and we played the Virgin Queens of this world, and I do enjoy a lot about them, but they are such an effort to play. And I think this packs a lot of that backstabbing and the underhanded dealing the bluffing and the brief alliances into a smaller time frame that possibly allows your friendship to actually recover i think the familiar and loved theme adds to the experience and a little tip for you always play this game where you can play past one note to any player on the board per round hilarious even if you just pass a note saying i think you smell vaguely of beetroot the wry smile it brings to that player's face makes everyone think that you are now allied. It is brilliant. I love it. And it would be higher again, probably because the same reason as Ronan said about Forbidden Stars is that yeah, I just haven't played it enough to justify it being higher on my list. It's not on my list. It's capable. It's a bit dead of wintery. Capable of really good games. It's also capable of incredibly long games. There's also the issue that one, two, or even three people can get completely blocked off halfway through and have no chance of winning or even affecting the game that much. Well, that was really funny have... when it happened to Steve when we played. Well, when it happened to Steve, it was funny because <laughs> someone did it deliberately to him, just plowed into him. But it's happened since then as well. And people have sat there. In fact, it's happened to me. You know, people sat there for two or three hours and done nothing. There's a real regular play groups of it on Sundays at London and Board for a long, long time. And it still comes out. But I mean, like, there was three or four games of it at once at London and Board. And they were short to play on week and I said yeah I'll jump in I've played it I don't know half a dozen times ten times something like that I know what I'm doing I didn't know what I was doing Sean isn't that a case where you have to play with people of a similar level something like as I said my initial race for the galaxy yeah but come on, race for galaxies but race for galaxies 30-35 minutes yeah yeah true true brass brass you can go I've, I've made this improvement I've got that much better in Game of Thrones, you can just be creamed. You've got a ship left. <laughs> what are you going to do with your ship? Uh, <laughs> you're just going to sail around in circles for the next five hours? Yeah. And that can happen nice. to you. <laughs> you know. It's never it's go. never happened to me. I, it happened to Steve, and he, he, he deliberately didn't step back when he could have the opportunity. And he knew he was doing it, but he was being obstinate. So that's the only time I've seen it happen in the game, and that player could have quite easily cancelled, stopped that happening to himself. Well, I got so. played like a fiddle, like <laughs> yeah, but a again, fiddle against seasoned players. I don't. But yeah, like, yeah, okay. No. You still, you still feel like you'd like to have a chance. Yeah, I get, I get I what you're saying. It hasn't. Happened I don't. To no, no, I don't want to. Like, I like it. I, I rate it highly. Again, it's probably in contention for top one hundred. 
but it is brutal and there is no coming back when you've been wiped down that badly it's just it's it your host even if they had a way of saying look here's a bot if someone wants to resign the bot takes over and this is the the ai they go to okay someone might game it or whatever but don't force someone to sit at a table for three or four hours i I, I played a game uh, last night Actually, Warquest, or the game where you completely salivated. Come ignore! Come ignore! And if you get completely wiped out in that, you spawn a new army and you start again, which I thought was a really nice touch. So, yeah, yeah, something like you that. Should get, you should get a dragon. You're like, you lose three points, but you get a dragon. <laughs> if you get wiped out in Game of Thrones, like, okay, bitches, who wants it now? <laughs> but then does that mean you'd have to be Daenerys? All right, I ain't playing. <laughs> you ain't got to be like that you'll pick out the worst character why you going to be like that doesn't matter what she chooses it's all going to go well anyway for none of her actions bad choice after bad choice but it'll all fall in her lap ah, don't even go there worst character in those books anyway you've upset me now I'm supposed to be talking about good games <laughs> moving on to your 45 Ronan <laughs> released designed by stefan feld uh from hall games that's what my copy's from obviously other publishers since then it is the aquatic themed multi-layered euro from stefan feld in which you are programming robots on one section of the board and then you are doing the actions that these robots you have programmed on another shared board uh, which everyone is attempting to go around and land submarines and collect crystals and fight off octopods and various other ways of scoring building up their own little laboratory don't look too deep into that theme it just holds things together as opposed to actually tells a story but the multi-layers to the strategy Again, the interaction, the fact that each round is a unique puzzle that you're sitting there having to work out under very tight and restrictive conditions. The fact that every time you play it, you think, do you know what? There's at least five things I could have done better there. Good, thinky, brainy workout in two hours or less. And this is obviously affected as well by the fact that Rachel absolutely loves it. So therefore, it is often requested i think it is one of stefan fell's best games i think i've got one or two of his higher up the list in fact there's one coming up in two games time so i definitely have but aquasphere is right up there for me on medium weight two hour long thinky euros yeah you're gonna, gonna get no disagreement here it is i think possibly my favorite Feld game <laughs> we'll come to it i'm sure eventually it is knocking around somewhere in my top 50 yeah, I absolutely love it. I think it's is one of those games where you constantly feel that you're just you're missing out on something. But if you do this, you're going to miss out on that. And love games like that. It's another point salad failed game, but where the point salad actually means things. It's not just points for the sake of points. I completely agree with you. Again, Natalie is a huge fan of this one. So yeah, good choice, Ronan. Yeah, that's my number forty-five. Aquasphere. Sean, your number 45? My number 45, Ryan, is another game that we shall be seeing no more expansions for because of Fantasy Flight's split with the Games Workshop. It is Blood Bowl Team Manager designed by Jason Little. It's all about managing and cheating your way to victory in the Blood Bowl world. 
it's one of the only asymmetrical games that I truly enjoy. There's, the other one is Omen, Reign of War, and the other one is Invaders. There are probably the three asymmetrical games that I really, really enjoy, and this one was one of the first I ever played, and it kind of ruined the others for me. I think the theme was realised absolutely perfectly for this. There is not loads going on, but just enough to keep you thinking all the time. The teams all play differently, and one of the things I really like in game is the ability to customise your own experience. So you buy your own players, you build your, build up your own team. So, Blood Bowl team manager, Ronan. It's real good choice, Sean. I was just having a look through. It's, it's not in my top 50. It, again, it's going to be one of those ones that just missed. I hate saying that all the time. But I'm trying to say I agree with you. It is a very good game. It, it develops itself. You have your own little strategy, yet there's clear interaction there. It, it matters how you play that match. Sometimes you go, oh, I just made a big mistake in a play of a card. It's nice to feel that it wasn't just what cards are in your hand. It's actually how you played them. Because sometimes when these games are part of a bigger structure if you like the game itself isn't that great well the matches in blood bowl team manager are, are quick they're not deep by any means but you do feel like again you have some agency and control and what's going on and you have to react to where the ball is what the other players doing what they've played and, and you're thinking all the way through it's fast paced you're choosing your priorities each time of where you want to go what you want to win are you building up your deck are you just going for those fans because they're points at the end of the game lots going on but not too heavy by any means fun and funny a good choice Sean thank you Ronan what, what you said I think that the bouncing off each other is one of the most important factors to it just reading what the other player is going to do and as you say you've customised your own deck so you, you have responsibility that that is your deck you've customised it you put it together and then all of, all of a sudden you will have to place, choose where you're placing on the pitch and it's not just the case of you have to place in slot 1 slot 2 slot 3 so yeah that's my number 44 Five, running 44 time. Fill your hands, you son of a bitch. It's the Duke. <laughs> oh, God. No. I know you're going to win. No. The Duke from Jeremy Holcomb and Stephen McLaughlin from Catalyst Game Labs 2013. It's a two-player tile-based game in which you start with the same three tiles on the board. Each tile shows what they can do on them in a grid pattern, such as they can attack in this area or move to that area or jump to this area or slide to that area. But when you activate that tile, it flips over and its activations change and then it'll attack in a different pattern in the tiles around it. You've got one tile called the Duke. Whoever's Duke dies first loses. You can either use the tiles that you have on the board or you can pull from your draw bag and in the base game, both players have got the same set of tiles in a draw bag. And you pull one of well, 20 or so tiles and you're not getting that many out in a game. So you don't know what you're getting. You pull it out and it's going to be a unique unit or one of two of the same of each unit, which is going to come out and it's going to affect your strategy. So your strategy is constantly changing on the fly. You're playing against each other. It's open information. You can see what units each other have. You don't have to look up any rules or check any charts. It's simple as that one can attack there and it will kill anything that's in that square if you should leave one in there. If it does that, have you got something in place to line up to take it out again? It is like chess light, but please don't take that as a bad thing it's constantly changing and evolving it's both tactical and strategic it's a fantastic whatever sean says fantastic two-player game my number 44 the duke 
All right. It's like chess light. Please do take that as a bad thing. <laughs> Says the Grandmaster himself. <laughs> or like Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, okay, so we get we get chess, and then we'll make it so that, oh, when the bishop gets to the end, he becomes an archbishop, and when the rook gets to an end, he becomes a fortified castle. Yeah, and he can do something slightly different. Shut up. That's all I have to say. Get out. You're an idiot. <laughs> you guys can you wrap your head around it. So go on, sling your hook. Give me some Cthulhu rubbish at your number 44. Oh, we're not going Cthulhu, but you're going to say it's rubbish. <laughs> Zombie. My number, my number 44 is Cult Express. It is uh, by Christophe Rambo and from Ludenorte. You are robbing a train, you're fighting with and stealing off other players as you try to rob that train. I think this one is quite simply pure chaotic fun. It's a great large group game. Always involved in it, hilarious slapstick comedy throughout, and just to round it off, you've got a stunning production thrown in. I've had lots of fun with seasoned gamers, and I've had lots of fun with complete newbies. Yeah, it was always a definite for my Alt Express. It's all right. <laughs> it's on this list because it comes with a train, 3D train, and that's the only reason. No. It is. It's because there's not much to it. That's what drew me to the game initially. I'll admit that quite freely. But the fun I've had playing this, we have a small group of friends that come come over and we're slowly introducing to games. And no matter what we play, they always say, do you mind if we play that train game again? That's lots of fun. So they've come about eight or nine times now and they always want to play this. And I always have fun. Natalie always has fun. So it's never a hardship. So that's why it's on the list. Hey, well, you need new friends. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll play it. I don't hate it. I just don't get all the love that's out there for it. It's okay. It's one of the things we talked about earlier. Too often players have a bad game of it and players start getting frustrated and go, I'm just doing nothing. I just did nothing. I, I've just been kicked back, and now I'm just running up, up and down, picking up nothing, and I'm not having any fun here. And that just happens. But that happens for one for round. That's what happens for one round. Yeah, I know. And but it, but that sometimes round is over imagine that happens to them two out of five rounds. But you, I mean, that's, yeah, people you know, start getting that thing off. Oh. That's, that's like six minutes out of the game. You claim it's a 15 minute game. No, that's the six minutes and the choosing of the the cards and working out what you're going to do takes up some time. But literally flipping over a card and you do that, flip a card, you do that, flip a card. Oh look! Yeah, but when but what can happen is at the beginning of the round you flip your card before me and you knock me back to or yeah yeah you pick that's the thing fine. before me or whatever which and you is, go right. I now know the rest of this round is rubbish for me. Well, yeah, which is where the hilarious. That's why he's hilarious because you're like, oh no. It's like playing a miss your turn card on someone going, <laughs> uh, but that miss your turn is for the next four turns, by the way. <laughs> That's not funny. That's rubbish. We've if designed past turn, that. If the four turns last another two minutes. I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. All right. I'm moving on. <laughs> Here's fun. Here's fun and laughter in a box. Here's a jolly japery time you can introduce newbies to. It's my number 43 and it's Luna. 
2010 release from Stefan Feld. Again, I think I got mine from Z-Man Games, actually, but also from Hall Games, Pegasus, Spieler, other publishers as well. Well, Luna, it is really a kind of a worker placement game. I know I'm going to get shouted at for that because it's kind of Action Station. But it's kind of a worker placement game, only... Where your workers are on this group of islands, you can't move them around only via taking actions. So you don't get to pick them all up and put them down in different places each turn. You have to plan where they are, where you want them to get to, and where they need to be. And there's different ways of doing that throughout the game. You can use their action to move them, or you can collect tokens, a different token on each of these islands, and they'll help you do double turns or use a wave to wash people around the shores to redistribute them. And you're constantly planning ahead for this constantly moving, churning, cyclical, tidal even, worker placement mechanism where you can't leave your workers in one place, but it's very hard to move them. There's some area control both in, there's a priestess who wanders round at the end of each round, wherever she is, you can get points assigned to it. There's also an apostate who wanders around whenever they are, you're going to lose your workers. You can promote these novices, your workers, they go into a temple and what tile they go in on can knock out other players out and you get points for that and the earlier you get them in the more points you earn but you need to get some tokens to do that the end of the turn is driven by the players who choose as an action to take a candle and drive forward so you can't come up with this 20 action chain of how to do everything exactly you want because if someone could only do in six actions they're going to dink 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 end the round for you and you have to be flexible in what you're trying to do as well as planning not this round not the next round but also the round ahead and moving all the way through this wonderful sweeping brain burning tight yet flowing euro game off luna sean i'm waving my hands around a lot in a sort of balletic fashion i'm sure you can picture that yeah, oh, I can see you as a ballerina. I've, I've always thought of you as such. Truly is. Yeah, <laughs> it's the tights, I know. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Not the mankini. Keep that away. Um, Shh. Sorry. Fiddle get excited. <laughs> so, so Luna, Luna. Yeah, it's one of those games where you start off and you probably spend the whole of your entire first game thinking, what the hell is going on? What, what, what is this? What, what's going on? He does what? Why does that do that? But when you finish it, you think, right, got it. I see what's happening. I'm still going to be rubbish next time, but I definitely want there to be a next time. Is one of those experiences. It is a good choice. But yeah, yeah, an interesting game that I, I should play more often. Ebb and flow, <laughs> sigh and sweep and sway. You've laddered. And use herbs. <laughs> Sean, you're number 43. I don't know where to go after that. Oh, I've got one that you really don't like. Zolkin, the Mayan calendar, is my number 43. Aye, aye, From aye, Daniele aye. Tassini. Aye, and <laughs> Games Edition. <laughs> what are you doing? You're basically pleasing the Mayan gods in this one. Okay, I'm going to start off with the obvious. This one looks beautiful. It has the toy factor of the spinning wheels and everything interlocking. Now, what has kept me coming back to this game? Keeps you on your toes. You have to constantly adapt to things that are going around you. You do plan ahead, but it's not 
just that the maths puzzle of a lot of games where you're planning ahead round after round. It's also taking into account what you think others might be doing, how the cogs will be turning, and that that's, that's just a beautiful mechanism. It's interactive in a different way to other games. You're not just completely stitching up people. It's where you place your things and where they end up, and and how the again how the cogs intertwine. And I just think it's a really interesting experience that brings your commonplace staple mechanisms but just twists them in that cog ronan i know you're not a big fan why don't you like this one firstly it's ugly as sin oh you're mental utterly mental you have no taste colors the iconography are absolutely terrible the cogs look great I love the cog mechanism. I love the fact you jump on board and ride it around and decide when to come off. And t- That's not the rest of it, mate. The scoring tiles, the bonus tiles, the buildings you can build, the wonders, they are so ugly. That little tech tree is so confusing with its crap colours, its rubbish iconography. Everyone goes, what? I've got a discount on what? And what happens if I go there? Where does that give me? Where what? You because know what? ugly you know what you're a cog you're a cog (laughs) you're a cog twister (laughs) it looks like someone designed it on a sega master system what are you on what did you play the the temples that you jump up rubbish (laughs) it's the background (laughs) of that board is flat out ugly all right you're ugly. Like the same colours are Your used for different types ugly. of buildings, for different actions, and I'm getting confused every time I look at the board. I'm going, what? That building does what? Why does it do that? Where does it even show that? That iconography sucks cogs. It's <laughs> It's just awful. It's corny, even. And from there, I cannot get my head around the game. I'm at absolutely terrible at it because the board is just too confusing i've got that thing you know when we're playing games i kind of have to organize the resources into piles and the cards have to be a bit neat and everything needs to be a little bit neat just so i can clear the clutter out of my head and kind of think about what i'm doing and zolkin is just a clutter mess of a board that i'm happy pushing off the edge and ignoring for the rest of forever fortunately it's like in rachel's top five games ever so i'm forced (laughs) to endure it sometimes Shocking. So, so basically, because it doesn't conform to your own little special standards of OCD, you, you, you're saying that like it's something weird. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. It's a flipping mess. Does, does Horribly the cog, designed. Does the cog turn an odd number or something? Is that what's upsetting? You? Uh, okay, yeah, it's not. That's a, I do love that you can stitch someone up by turning it twice unexpectedly. And they were like, yeah! Especially if they've gone in right at the beginning. They've been sitting waiting for their crystal skull to go waiting all the for way a skull. Round. That's always a good one. Oh, did you miss that skull? Oh, I'm really sorry. Oh, hang on. Okay, I think I'll do it an extra time. I'm telling you, I like the mechanism. I like the cog mechanisms. It's quite a punishing game, but how to actually score points. It's from, it's what you do. With what you've done on the cogs, it's that just I hate. constantly adapting. If something happens to mess you around, or someone does something, no, like that's it, okay. It's having I don't a plan mind B, that. having a plan C, having a plan D, E, but F. I can't because it's not clear enough. 
I can't see to have those plans because they just meld into a big mess. And is that's it, my issue. Is with it because you're special? It is because I'm special. I know. <laughs> this falls into my special little hole of I can't deal with it. Now go away. Right. Don't anymore. Right. You, you, you unique slow flake. Off you go to number 42. Right. My number 42, I think is going to be a shock to you because I think you think I think it's going to be higher. Right. Now you've got me confused and intrigued. Indeed. That's <laughs> how so I like to keep you. Seven Wonders Jewel. Hmm. Hmm. 2015 release. Antoine Bowser, Bruno Cathala from oh, about a million publishers, but Repros Productions is who I got mine from. It is a two-player version of Seven Wonders that plays slightly differently. It is card drafting, but from a tableau as opposed to from hands. You're doing very familiar things. You're collecting brick and wood and gold and building blue buildings which are civic and red buildings which are military although military is now on a track if you ever get too far in a military instant win you're building up science tokens which give you in-game powers as opposed to a complicated table cross way of scoring at the end with pyramidal numbers and what have you they've taken the essence of seven wonders jewel and they've turned it into a fantastic two-player game we were talking yesterday about novelizations and films and the fact that you shouldn't have a novel writer in charge of films because you have to distill the novel, not completely transpose it from page to screen. This is what you need to do with a successful game franchise. Distill the essence into what you're trying to make. They did it with Seven Wonders Jewel, Sean. I absolutely love it. I think it's brilliant. I've played it a lot. I just got Pantheon for Christmas. I'm going to add it to it. The only question here, why is it as low as number 42? And the reason is it can be too punishing. And you can get hosed via an unlucky flip of a card or being blocked out on a particular resource. Uh, unless you know the game very, very well, it can be impossible to dig yourself out of a hole you get into, possibly in the first age or two through no fault of your own, just card flips. And because it's got that slight bit of... Some games of it can be too frustrating to be fun. I've marked it down a bit. But the highs that it hits are really high. So I'm I'm conflicted, but I settled on a 42. This could be the kind of one that bounced up and down the list. And it's probably come to settle at its low spot. It couldn't go any lower than 42. It could have gone higher, but it's a really good game. Seven Wonders Duel. Ronan, I was sitting there thinking, right, okay, as soon as I come in, I'm just I'm gonna tell him why I don't like this game, and you said it exactly. It's because it's just too nasty sometimes. It's not just bad for the person getting spanked. You kind of feel bad if you're the person handed out the spanking because you got the nice card and they got the bad card and they don't know the game well enough to turn it around and you don't know the game well enough to advise them how to turn it around and too out of the first three games I played of this were like that and it just really put me off the game now I think the expansion is going to fix that I haven't played it yet and I am eager to play it Pantheon so I think that's when it may bounce back into a game that I would consider for my top 50 but at the moment as it is just too brutal 42 is too low I was I was I'm sorry (laughs) I love you really I'm gonna go play you to make up for it my number 42. Hold on, this is, this is a big choice now, because this is the game that you think is as good as Seven Wonders Jewel, and that's why I'm quite a bit tense. Don't, don't, don't put pressure on my son's favourite game. Oh no, what is it? 
I've gone for Spinderella. Oh my days! Oh my days! Now it's it's probably <laughs> it is. I think it is the only game, and I play a lot of games with my son. Loads of them. I just bought him my first Stone Age today as I record this. That we play a lot of games, and Spinderella is the one game that I can actually I can see him adapting to it. I'm enjoying playing it. When myself and my wife are playing with him at the same time, we are actually having a lot of fun trying to stitch each other up, and there are clever ways to stitch each other up in the game. The game is clever enough for adults to enjoy playing and simple enough, mechanism-wise, for him to enjoy it. And we all have fun at the same time, very easy to get into, and a very clever, is the word I keep overusing in this one, game. It's my number 42, Spinderella. And thank you, Ronan. Sorry, I should have said it's from uh, Zoch Verlag and Devier and designed by Roberto Fraga. Uh, thank you, uh, Thank you, Ronan, for <laughs> buying this for my son's birthday or Christmas or something along those lines. Something or other, abso- some random present. Yeah, he absolutely adores it, and we absolutely adore it. So thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, we did talk about that a few episodes ago when we were doing we the did, family yes. games. I enjoyed it well enough. I wasn't as impressed with it as you are, but I haven't had that sort of magic of playing it with my child while they explore it. And that makes a huge difference to games. I'm sure that's going to come into some of the choices that are going to come further along for me. There'll be games that I've thoroughly enjoyed with my family. So that is, if not a valid, not just a valid reason for putting it in your list. It's possibly <laughs> the best reason for putting it in your list that I love it. I can play it with my kids and we all have fun together. I mean, what the hell more do you want from board gaming? I might like sitting down for eight hours in a room full of sweaty adults gaming, but really the joy of bringing together people of all ages that you're close to and having the shared experiences where the magic of gaming is for me, Sean. So I'm all right. That's 42s. They, they're all right. <laughs> and it, st- it stopped you in your tracks we were about to leap out and beat me down with a stick oh, don't worry I'm, I'm just writing down notes of what I'm going to say to you as I thrash you later <laughs> <laughs> okay last one for this episode last from one for this episode Sean oh, it's controversial nowadays but I'm going to go for Russian railroads <laughs> um, it's from Helmut Olli and Leonard Lonnie Orgler from 2013 it's from z-man games i think hans im gluck is probably who i got my verse from but anyway it's from lots of people nowadays because it's one of those successful games that comes out from lots of people it is very much an abstracted game of developing railroads allegedly in russia although really it could be anywhere it's a worker placement game it's got this gradual process whereby you are building tracks of a certain color along a set of tracks uh what you're trying really trying to do is get the more valuable ones out but you have to push the less valuable ones ahead of them so it's a game of increments you can develop an industry track to give yourself some special powers you need to get some train engines in there to, to activate the whole thing and score points it's one of those games where on the first round you score 12 points and you go what's a winning score about 350 mate well i just scored 12 points you'll see and the last round you score 112 points and you go oh yes that's how that happens very much building up ahead of steam and gathering and your plans from early on come to fruition later on it can be played in 40 minutes two player 90 minutes four player but with lots of thought 
in there. It is one of my favourite little Euros of recent years, Sean. It's Russian railroads. I haven't tried either of the expansions yet, or their own German railroads, but I haven't tried it. It's one of those ones that I've played a couple of times, and I just didn't fall in love with. I think it's very dry... It's one of those ones where I was kind of hosed by people who played it a little bit more than me, and I put to one side and full judgment to be reserved. But at the moment, it's it's really not one that I've particularly enjoyed. So it's to be to be explored. It's definitely one that slips through the cracks because because of that, it feels dry before you play it. And even if you played it before, you look at it on the shelf and you go, "Oh, it's a bit dry." Oh, I don't know. I'll play something else shinier. A bit like Brass, I was talking earlier. I'll play something else that's catching my eye and glinting a little bit. But for me, anyway, when I start playing it, I go, why don't I play this more? Well, I've played it, like, I don't know, 10 times or something like that. So I've played it plenty, and yet I will still ignore it when it comes to choosing a game. But it did come out a month or two ago. Rachel and I played it two players. She really liked it. So I think this is going to be in the rotation. Very good, Ronan. Okay, well, my last one for this episode, my number 41... Is one of my Kickstarter efforts, my many Kickstarter oh. efforts. Oh. <laughs> it's Fallen by Tom W. Green III and Stephen C. Smith oh. from Watchtower Games. It's essentially a storytelling battle for two players. I love storytelling games. I love storytelling in games. This one really reminded me of my time with the fighting fantasy books, although it doesn't really hold the water that they do in terms of the storytelling. Just a little nod in their direction, more like. I think the game has a brilliant arc, obviously because of the storytelling, but you're always involved. and It does have a definite beginning, middle and end. The climax of the game is always exciting. It, it holds you. Although you, the odds may not be in your favour, you've always got a chance of winning. The beautiful art in the game is always helpful. And there's just so many story cards, so many creatures that come with the box. Yeah, the Kickstarter gives you a lot more. But even in just the base box that you can buy, the longevity of the game is immense. So for that reason, Fallen is my number 41. I would say that you have fallen on the right side of the line here. <laughs> oh, didn't. Oh, yeah. Keeping it real. Uh, I really like Fallen. We really enjoyed our play of it. We gave it a very positive and quite a thorough review back in the day. It must be a year or two ago now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's 2014 release, I believe. But yeah, I very much enjoyed it. It was a bit wary going to it. Kickstarter, storytelling, fantasy theme, lots of content. You go, oh, has this been playtested at all? Actually, you do get caught up in it. I think it's not without flaws. No. But no. I think the sum of the parts more than make up for the few flaws that are in there. The only thing holding this back is lack of plays, mate. We, we played it back then, before the review, however many times, a handful of times, and I haven't had a chance to play it since. And no. if I think if I did own it, and I had played it more, this would have every chance to be in my own top 50, because... It is one of those games whereby the qualities and the fun and the story overcome the, in this case, as opposed to most of Sean's choices, the minor flaws in Fallen. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those games that people who've played it a lot of times, just, just they actually say it just gets better because you, you start predicting how things are going to go and read the story cards a little bit better, both of you. 
you know what's what cards are coming up next and things like that sam hoffman that goes to london on board uh, eastbourne every year he play he always has a game of this running almost consecutively round around the clock and we really should get involved in that ronan and yeah one of those games that just breathes charm into the room and that's my number 41 fallen and that's us for this episode join us for our outro shortly okay there we go that's our 50 to 41 picks ronan how do you think that went not too much abuse there I can't, I can't speak. I can't <laughs> speak. Surely you've got to get better than this. Uh, I see. I knew, I knew Zolk going to be the, the one that actually <laughs> ruined yeah, us. I'm quite impressed. I was, I was expecting an endless wave of Kickstarters and dice rolling. <laughs> I think you only got one Kickstarter there in the first wave. Imagine. The imagine. first wave. I oh. presume you're just you're, you're priming them. You're holding them back. That's for the final barrage. <laughs> oh, you know my top 20 is all Kickstarter. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our countdown from 50 to 41. Obviously, more to follow hopefully soon. Although, the odd normal episode in there as well, we hope. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Ronan. Thank you, everyone else. While we're chatting to you, don't forget to check out the Dice Tower fundraiser, which is on Indiegogo at the moment. We don't get any money out of it, but if you like anything the Dice Tower does, go and check them out and offer them their support as you wish or not. Lovely. And get your, bag yourself some Dice Tower goodies while you're at it. And as always, we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to download our episodes, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and of course Podbean. If you wish to email us, we're at thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. We are constantly available on our Board Game Geek Guild. If you wish to ask us a question or just fire off some topics for discussion, we will always weigh in with our opinions, whether they be wanted or not. And we are also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So look us up there. Thank you very much for listening. And we wish you the very best for 2017. Music by E. Aaron. Boy, 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 boy,